Asian Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Hello and welcome to Asia Tech Podcast Stories. My name is Graham Brown. Today we're heading to Shanghai, China to meet Kapil Kane, who's the Director of Innovation of Intel China, also the founder of the Ideas to Reality Business Accelerator within Intel. Kapil, welcome to the show. Thanks, Graham. Uh, glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. We're going to talk about intrapreneurship, right? Not entrepreneurship, but intrapreneurship. I mean, it's a bit of a buzzword within large organizations. What exactly is entrepreneurship, Kapil? Entrepreneurship is when an employee in a large organization uses startup-like practices to turn an idea into a viable business. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? I mean, we're going to look at why we need a process. Why do we need a business accelerator like ideas to reality, all, all those kind of things that we want to unpack. I think traditionally, you know, if you go back into the, the business literature, you may have, pe all, people are very familiar with like 3M and like mm -hmm. how they became, you know, an innovative company. And they all, people always talk about the post-it notes, don't they, as mm -hmm. an example. Is that entrepreneurship or is that sort of an overused example of that? Uh, you know, actually, I use that as one of the examples of early entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, yes. Um, so at 3M, they had this thing called uh, permitted bootlegging, where they could use 15% of resources to do uh, whatever they felt was right for the organization. Right. And through this, um, uh, the Dr. Spencer created this adhesive. And, and it was not until another five years later that someone found a use for that technology into Post-it Notes. Mm. What is it called? Created, was it permitted bootlegging? Yeah, permitted bootlegging. That's <laughs> what they called it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so was that sort of the, the forerunner of the Google 20% time? Was that sort of where they got those ideas from? Yes, it's similar to Google. Google's 20% of the time. And we at Intel, we also do 10% unstructured time. That's right. where we encourage our employees to work on things they believe um, is good for the company. Mm -hmm. So I'm always wondering how that actually works in the real world because it sounds like a great idea but to take that idea into an organization there's a lot of risk that it could go horribly wrong isn't there because you know people maybe not have the right structure to do 10 percent, 20 percent time people don't know what they should be focusing on people focusing on the wrong things how, how do you sort of organize all of that uh, yeah so so for for us right so we have divided the program in two parts the first part is called incubation so this is purely incubating technologies. And what we do is uh, the guys can come up with an idea and, and pitch it to us for a seed funding. Mm. Okay. So if we believe it's an idea worth uh, taking forward, we'll give them seed funds to turn that, that idea into something tangible. And at this stage, we look purely at technology. Mm. The goal is to incubate a lot of good technologies uh, with very hands-off manner. So it's up to them what they want to do. It's up to them how quickly they want to do it and how you know and uh, what kind of resources they need to use. We simply enable them mm -hmm. uh, by giving them money, the lab space, and access to mentors. Mm -hmm. That's the first part. Uh, but the problem is, you know, innovation is not just about creating technologies. It's about creating value. It's about bringing in the revenues, right? That's when really innovation is. You create something that people want to pay for. 
And so that's handled in the second part, which is the business accelerator. And at this stage, uh, we give them a lot more resources and we take them through the lean startup process. We bring them out of Intel into a startup accelerator and accelerate them as a batch, just like a Y Combinator would do. It's a four-month acceleration program. And to get in, they have to pitch. Uh, they need to have some sort of a business plan. Um, and we select five to seven teams in a batch uh, and try to turn that incubated technology into a validated business case mm-hmm. to bring back to the BUs. So how, how does that how does that whole process compare to the traditional innovation process? I mean, Intel will have one, any IT company, any product company will have an innovation process. And, Mm. you know, that will have a certain return on investment, right? I mean, how how does this this process compare? Does it work for certain types of innovation better? Does it work for everything Mm. in terms of innovation? No, no, no. So so there are different ways, right? So if you look at a big corporation like Intel, there are lots of business units, right? And if, for example, in Intel, there is something called data center business unit. Then there is a client computing business unit, Internet of Things of business unit. And each of these business units will have some sort of an, an innovation lab that will try to work on technologies that fall into those categories. Mm. And it kind of feeds into their product pipelines. They could be like small features and uh, they could be even like new technologies to incubate. But again, it's run by the particular business units. That's one one kind of innovation. Then there's like a horizontal uh, uh, research lab. We have Intel labs that looks at technologies five years out and it doesn't belong to any particular business unit, Mm. right? So it depends on where it would eventually land up. Uh, What we do is we look at something that can scale within a couple of years. We, we look for things that are, we are not looking for moonshots, we are looking for incremental businesses. Mm-hmm. We are looking for adjacencies. We are looking for an idea in, in business unit A that might be beneficial to business unit B. A lot of times what happens is the idea gets killed in this unit because it doesn't, it's not the KPI of that business unit. Right, right. But it's very beneficial to the other ones. So those are also some uh, like some of the ideas that come to our program. Uh, for example, there's a guy uh, working on an algorithm to do a network processing better on Intel's hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he discovered that the simil- if he tweaked that algorithm, he could do genome sequencing much faster. But mm. that was not the not in the business of his department. So right. he came. Yeah, so he came to us to incubate that technology and turn it into a business and then sell it to another business unit into Intel. Right. So what you're saying is that Intel, like many IT companies, you're organized into business units mm-hmm. and that business unit head will only be focused on his KPI. And yep. therefore, if this innovation doesn't necessarily support that KPI in, in this time frame, he's not going to look at it he's going to push it aside because it's a distraction understandably because he's got his goals mm-hmm. and his focus but however you know because there's got a lot of gaps between these business units right and what yeah. you're doing is you're sort of operating in these gaps where you're finding these innovations which had add sort of value across business units right yeah so uh, what, that, that's one thing another thing is is the china angle 
Right. Uh, yeah. So because most, actually almost all our business unit heads are in the U.S., right? So they have one view of the world. So when we are, when they are creating their products, they are, when they are creating their roadmaps, they look at the world as a whole. And chi- in China, a lot of times things are different. And the people on the ground see it, but not necessarily the planners or, uh, <clears throat> or the business unit heads. Mm-hmm. So what it takes for us is to take the first step, build something, get traction, and then bring it to the business unit and say, hey, this is what you need to do. And this is why we have done this. We have validated this business. All you need to do is now put it on your roadmap and execute. Mm-hmm. Versus telling them that, you know, hey, this is the market research, blah, blah, blah. They might not believe you. But when they when you show them, when you, when you have built something, when you have traction, then it's easier to sell. Right. So, so go back to your example. You, you mentioned an example of somebody who develops an algorithm. And mm-hmm. that algorithm eventually was useful for genome sequencing, correct? You know? Yes. So how, how did that work? Did that originally, was the genesis of that in that 10% time? Did somebody then, you know, okay, I was working on this in my 10% time and somebody said, okay, look, this is actually quite valuable. Why don't you take it here? What's the pro- Can you walk us through that process so we can understand how that innovation started and how it got support within Intel? Look, this guy was doing his day job, right? Uh, it struck him that this algorithm with a few tweaks. So, uh, so that was you know he he did this in his ten percent of the time, and then then he went on to our internal platform and submitted this as an idea. Uh, yeah. When we saw the idea, uh, we said okay, it makes sense, and he needed a couple of interns uh, to help him uh, do the programming. So we gave it to him. Uh, in a few months, he showed us a working demo of how it works. Now, and then he pitched it to our business accelerator. Uh, he got into the accelerator, and that's when we started looking at who would be the lead customer, uh, mm. and the, and how are we going to actually deliver this solution? Uh, so that's when we start engaging with the customer, get their feedback, get them on board, get them to test the solution, get the feedback, and roll it back into. Uh, the algorithm, and at the same point uh, time, we then go back to the actual business unit that should own this product and get them on board mm. and try to roll all this work into the uh, into the main business unit's work. So, in this case, when he goes into the business accelerator, when he goes into ideas to reality, is that now a full time gig for him? How does that work? Sort of. Because somebody okay. would have lost somebody from their business unit, right? Yes, exactly. So it's not a full-time gig. Uh, we gave him 20% of the time, right? So mm-hmm. now he's 80% on his business unit. And then the, uh, we will hire more people to help him for those three to four months. Right, okay. Okay, but that's interesting. I mean, it's, it's important to work out how it actually works because, you know, a business mm-hmm. unit owner, a head may be worried about losing their most talented yeah. people, right? I mean, understandably so. But so you put them into this accelerator, and you pretty much treat them as an external accelerator would treat a batch. I mean, you talk about China Accelerator, you know, William Balbean's team. There, that would that act in the same way that you would act with ideas to reality? Uh, yeah, you, you uh, actually uh, there are slight differences. I know William very well and how they operate. Uh, we have taken a slightly different approach, but we do almost the same thing that they do. Um, uh, what we do is we we spend one day per week completely in an external accelerator. We work out of X node. 
I'm not sure if you know about yeah. Xnode. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar so, with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we work out of Xnode, and there's uh, an uh, accelerator called Hitech XL. They have formed a joint venture with Xnode, who accelerate our startups. So one day a week they spend in this accelerator. Hmm. So in the in the mornings they would do a workshop. In the evenings there would be one on one coaching with the entrepreneur in residence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what it does is it forces our guys to spend one full day on this innovation. And then other time they can be um, the rest four days of the week, they can do their day job. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, whatever needs to be done on this project. So uh, this is where they learn the lean startup methodologies. They start to learn the business model canvas. They start to learn how to validate the hypothesis, how to approach a customer, uh, how to create a landing page. Uh, how to test the hypothesis, how to pitch, how to do innovation accounting. So we we, we basically teach them how to be like an entrepreneur hmm. and, and move their idea forward, turn their technology into a business. Is that a good thing for a, a large IT organization? I'm just playing devil's advocate here because, you know, you have skilled individuals within your organization and then they're not entrepreneurs originally they come to the organization they work as employees and if you had lots and lots of entrepreneurs people might say well you know then you wouldn't be a large it organization it would be a very different body entirely is there ever a risk there of putting lots and lots of entrepreneurs into uh what is a structured organization um i think i'm not too worried uh what we have seen is that uh, actually we do need people to think right. like entrepreneurs uh, I think it's a must-have skill. You know, we have so many functional areas in an organization, right? We have like HR, we have legal, we have IT. Entrepreneurship should be one of the functions in an organization because I, I strongly believe that big companies are really good at building something really well. Whether it's the right thing to build or not is another question. Hmm. That's uh, what what this entrepreneurship does. It 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 tells you what you need to build and what you should not build. And 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 big companies are not good at doing that. Mm. So I do believe that entrepreneurship needs to be a core function of an organization, no, no matter how big or small it is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point. I mean, when you talk about that in the context of innovation, I'm mean, being the director of innovation, do you see in the future that, the processes that you're building will become the innovation process of a large IT company? Do you think that will be the way innovation is done or would you just see that as a part of innovation? Yeah, so 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 my goal is to get our, that my goal is for that to be the process of innovation. Hmm. Uh, but like more and more I think about it, I, I, I think that organization needs to be uh, that should be like a one, like a mainland and an island. And, mm. and 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 when you're trying to create new businesses, it should be a part of the island. And and once you know what to build, when you want to execute, then those things go back to the mainland. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the way that you're doing it, you're taking these this batch outside of the business mm. into yeah. – they spend a day, don't they, with the accelerator? I mean, yeah. if, when you look at that, I mean, I spend a lot of time in telecoms. 
And, you know, I understand, I mean, telecoms and Intel, obviously telecoms, especially when you talk about ex-nationalized telecoms companies who became mobile mm -hmm. operators, very, very different DNA to Intel, but they needed innovation as much as any IT company needed innovation mm -hmm. today. But the challenge was always that they tried to do innovation internally, but they often, you know, it was always within the same building. Yep. So, you know, even the mechanics of innovation were important. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this they had this innovation team, but they were surrounded by the normal world, if you like, their exactly. day job. And how you important know, it was to get them out of the office. It was very, very important. And I fought to get this space in <laughs> XNode. Uh, you wouldn't believe it how long it took me to get this space. It took me four months to get wow. approvals from IT, info security, HR, legal, Intel, capital, name all the groups who said you couldn't do it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And if you are a startup, all you need to do is sign a lease and move in. Yeah. Like the next yeah. day. Uh, and it, yeah, it was, you know, but it was very important for me to get the people out of the building, you know, right, get right. out of the building. That was, I think it's super critical. I'll tell you, uh, the, before moving here, uh, they were so comfortable where they were. Instead of talking to the customers directly, they would ask their sales colleagues to go talk to the customers. So there's like the information is not direct. They are lazy and they don't get the ownership. They can always fall back on yeah, familiar yeah. people. Here, they are, they, we tell them the very first day, we say, uh, come back next week. We need who is your CEO, who is your CMO, and who is your CTO. And, uh, because you know we need to we need to tell them that they are solely responsible to mm. take their idea and turn it into a business, not other people. You you are the founder. You are completely in control. We give right. you all the power. We'll empower you. We'll give you all the tools. It's your baby. Yeah, I mean that there's a key part of it, isn't it? You talk about comfort, and it's it's an essential part of the you know the whole innovation process because you know they say like necessity is the mother in, of invention mm -hmm. and how important it is to you know innovation comes from a need um you know often often a frustration sometimes but if you, you know if you're if you're the head of a department or you're a program manager or a product manager you know when you talk about things like building a landing page you know mm -hmm. I, I imagine a lot of them think well i've got a guy who does that for me you know mm -hmm. and I don't have to learn these skills because it's looked after. But then you take these people into accelerators and they then are the, the founder, the entrepreneur. They have to do everything themselves. Yeah. How, how do you sort of equip them for that? Because I'm sure it must be a bit of a shock, isn't it, from being, you know, if you were in a, a very important position within Intel, you had a lot done for you, you had a really good structure under you to a situation where you're on your own, effectively. You may have a team, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's all uh, down yeah. to you. Yeah, there are two kinds of people, uh, and we have both kinds of people. Uh, one, they feel super empowered, and they, they really want to learn. And they are amazed by how many new things they learn in those four months of acceleration. Mm. And then there are other kinds of people who will always fight you. They'll think, oh, I don't need to do this. I'm an engineer. Right. And even just last night, we were having a conversation um, where you know we asked a guy to go talk to uh, the the customer and tell me tell us what he what they think and he's like I already know this yeah um, yeah so like no 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 you know um, and uh, so there are both kinds of people but most of the people they feel empowered and they take the ownership they learn the skills and they go back and 
become a, a better um, better innovator, I would say. Mm-hmm. What, what I'd say is they come in as an innovator and they go out as an entrepreneur. Right. So how do you identify those people? Because you must get a lot of people come to you, come to your platform, um, come to the accelerator and say, hey, look, I've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've worked on this idea within Intel. You must be able to identify the signs of what you think would be the yeah. right type of person based on your experience and the patterns of mm-hmm. people that have come through and had success. What are sort of the early signs that that person is going to be successful in this program? Yeah. So, so what we do is uh, for the accelerator, we run two batches uh, in a year. Mm. So every batch, what we do is we we uh, we seek applications. So basically, they need to submit a business plan and a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we receive anywhere from like thirty to forty applications for each batch. Uh, what we then do is, of course, there's some filtering to be done, uh, and we invite these guys to come to a two-day boot camp to, to turn their business plan into a pitch. Mm. So during that boot camp is the time when we really understand who are the right kind of people, who, who are really motivated, how much work they have done, uh, and how much is it just a PowerPoint, how much they really understand uh, about the challenges, how um, that's a that those two days in a bootcamp kind of gives you an idea of who are the ones who would go all the way through, mm-hmm. who are who are the ones who are coachable, and and uh, who are the ones who are entrepreneurial. So during those two bootcamps, they learn so many new tools, and at the end of those that bootcamp, we can see their pitch, right? So we can tell who who is really into it and who is not into it. Because what we want to do is we want to pick up the people who can be an entrepreneur, right? Uh, we don't want the people who will say, oh, I'm an engineer. I know I, I created this technology and my job is done. Uh, those are the kind of people we don't want in. We want like coachable people. We want motivated people. Uh, and of course, their idea has to have merit. And we believe uh, that, um, uh, uh, that the business idea falls into our strategic direction mm. where Intel is headed. Right. Yeah. Interesting about the coachable part as well, you know, that not necessarily everybody is coachable. Especially, I mean, you know, if you've spent many, many years with your craft, your trade, and you've got very good at it and you've, you've been highly educated, it's difficult, isn't it, for some people to then to say, especially if you're an engineer, because, you know, you're so focused, you build up this knowledge and this experience to say, okay, you need to learn more or Importantly, you need to start from zero in some cases. You know, mm-hmm. if you become an entrepreneur, you have to start at the bottom of some kind of curve somewhere, a learning curve, right? That's tough, isn't it? I mean, yeah. to identify those people, because I guess everybody wants to be an entrepreneur in Intel, right? Because it sounds really cool and it sounds like a great thing for your resume mm-hmm. and something to talk about. But not everybody can. Do you think that some people just can't make yes. it? Some people just can't, you know. Um, the, I think you need to have a growth mindset here, right? Mm. You need to uh, start to challenge your own assumptions. And if the more senior you are, the smarter engineer you are, you are not as willing to challenge yourself. Mm. You know, you're not as willing to say, oh, I made a mistake. This is not the, you know, right thing to do. Mm. Or, yeah, or pivot. You know, pivoting is something that is not very common in in a in a in a large corporation yeah. right because 
the, the basically if you pivot, that means you have failed. So a lot. So the project keeps running. You know, it, although it's not the right thing to do, people keep going because the project manager has to execute. Why? You know, why the, he cannot show so many rares? He cannot stop. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. It's, it's sort of the waterfall model of innovation, isn't it? Or, or you know, the value chain where the whole thing just goes from end to end. It yeah. can't stop because, you know, once it's done in this department, it's passed to the next department, passed to the next department and so on. But you're asking people to take this sort of top-down view of things. I'm, I'm curious, when, when people, when your batch goes back into Intel, mm-hmm. do, do they approach intel outside of their sort of 10 or 20 percent time differently as well do you see sort of positive changes there oh oh yeah you know we see a lot of uh, good changes uh, we see some of the guys coming back into the program for example um the guy from batch one uh he came back with an even better idea in batch three hmm. um what other things we see is they go back and they teach some of these um these tools and learnings to their teams or colleagues. So <clears throat> the whole department or you know the, the 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 division they start to be better at innovation right. in their day job. Uh, I do not have an exact measure of you know how this has affected, uh, but I can kind of tell by the uh, the ideas we get from the same group and the quality of ideas uh, or the business plans getting better. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've, you've already mentioned one application already. What, what kind of ideas come out of your accelerator? What other kind of applications within Intel or outside of Intel have you seen that impressed you? I mean, obviously, you've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to choose between your children, if you like, but maybe ones that we can relate to. Okay. Um, there was a smart speaker released by Jindong, JD.com, called Dingdong Play. Mm. Uh, so that came out of our program. So what happened was uh, about about a, he's from batch uh, batch 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 three. So about a year ago, a guy came to us. He said, "You know, hey, um, the sales of desktop computers are going down, and at the same time, uh, the smart speaker like Amazon Echo, um, it's it's going up. What if we add?" this functionality of a smart speaker to the desktop, it mm. would maybe, you know, get the, the scales to start going back up. So we said, okay, interesting. And so we started working on this idea of, you know, creating like uh, adding this functionality of speaker, smart speaker to desktop. And through our lean enterprise method, we pivoted into creating um, a speaker from the scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, a speaker that has a screen, a speaker that can um, that you can interact with not just with voice but also with gestures, a speaker mm-hmm. that could recognize you and personalize um, um, uh, based on who is who is in front of the speaker. And through that, we created a, a reference design which we were able to get JD.com on board. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean that's a great application. So that process was end-to-end within intel so that that you're the the founder so to speak of that idea started with within one department one department was he actually working on speakers or no he was uh he was he was in a department that was doing the desktops and the right, laptops right yeah right. and and he he saw that 
you know, the, some smart speaker market was, you know, picking up. And he said, he thought, wow, okay, we could combine desktop yeah. and speakers. And that's where the idea came from, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, so that's, that's, this is a great example of, you know, your employees having eyes and ears and intelligence to see what's going around them mm. and coming up with ideas. You know, it's, it's classic bottoms up. Yeah. And the problem that you see in big corporates is such kind of ideas just get killed because his manager would be like, hey, we need to, uh, we are in this desktop business. So just you know, focus on desktop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then there may be a bit of politics and a bit of ego there as well, which always got to, goes with those situations, you know, that somebody may, you know, he came up with the idea. I didn't come up with the idea. Therefore, <laughs> I'm going to kill it. Right. I mean, that, that sort yeah. of happens. That's human nature, isn't it? You can't avoid that. But you're giving those people a chance that, they, you know, maybe they can find an avenue for this innovation now. Exactly. You know, that's, so that's the value an innovation program brings in because they will help people like these to keep coming up with ideas because uh, one of the biggest reasons that people hesitate to, to speak up mm. is for the fear of being shut down. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's so insightful, isn't it? I mean, you're sort of getting down to the core of what drives innovation within these organizations. Do you, do you see in the future, like within Intel, that such a program would be a significant proportion or just in terms of the employees as well. I mean, what would be left in the organization? It, it could could an organization be entirely organized around something like this, that it was, in a way, a one big business accelerator? Uh, I, I keep thinking about this, and I've been, I, I just had this discussion earlier today with the folks at Xnode. Right. And, and what we, we, we concluded that we have to have, organization needs to have this, two kinds of people or like, you know, split into two. One that is really good at executing, right? Mm. Like keep the current business running, uh, uh, operate efficiently, those kind of things, like what our uh, current big organizations do. Uh, but you also need to have another organization, like, you know, I was telling you earlier, the mainland and the island, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the island is like a complete different legal entity. The sole job of it, is to innovate, find the new businesses, mm, mm. Uh, and and it's it has to be uh, a combination of incubating from within, acquiring uh, startups, and investing in startups. Right, 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 right. Uh, would that work? I mean, obviously, in Intel, you've got a lot of smart people, mm. and it's a business which has to evolve and adapt or die, and you know, that's, it's an it's extremely competitive business. What would be the limitations of that model? Could you take that model? I mean, just as a thought experiment, could you take mm -hmm. the ideas to reality model and apply it to government? Or could you apply it to education? Could you apply it to, you know, hospital and healthcare? It, it, does it work anywhere? Would it work anywhere? Or does it need uh, I, people like Intel people to make it work? Uh uh, it, it, uh, I think it it can work anywhere. Okay, so all, all you need is this. You need to find the people with the ideas. Mm. You need to create space for them to experiment. Uh, you need to empower them while they do the experiment. You need to um, give them the tools. You need to give them uh, the, the right resources and you need to give them the right mindset. If you are able to do this, a lot of good 
not just ideas, but validated business cases will come out of this. Right. Which can, which you can then um, f- um, put pour more resources in. The biggest problem when in in a big organization is most of the projects that kicked off have multi million dollar budgets, right? Mm-hmm. So when you want to invest a huge amount of money, you look at the risk risk, right? If it's a huge risk, you don't want to invest in it. So everyone picks up low risk projects to do. But if you de-risk it by doing something like an ideas to reality in between, then it's lower risk to invest more money. Because at that point, you have already validated the business case. You have a first customer on board. Uh, so it becomes less risky. So that, that's, that's how it happens in the startup world. right? You'll start with some uh, angel funding. Then you'll get the seed round. Then you get series A, B, C. Uh, you know, that process can be replicated inside to to lower the risks on innovation projects. And this can apply to any kinds of organization. So if I was, let's say, for example, if I was director of innovation for a telco, mm-hmm. and I'm not naming any names, it could be any telco, a very old, sleepy telco, maybe. And there are plenty of them in the world because I've worked for some of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was director of innovation. Um, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm really inspired hearing this story about ideas to reality. And I thought, can I make this work inside my telco? I'm a mobile telecommunications business. I have a fixed line business as well. Um, where, where do I start? Because some of the things you talked about, like, for example, that four-month fight to take the batch out and put them into, you know, the accelerator outside of campus, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be prepared for some kind of resistance. Where would – so, you know – I, I need to sort of prepare myself. Where do I start? If I want to do something like this inside a telco, what would be the first sort of baby steps I can take that aren't going to, you know, rock the boat? Yeah. So I think that's that's the, the most critical thing is the baby steps. Okay. Start small. Take small steps and then keep going, uh, like taking bigger and bigger steps. So the, mm. the, the first step you could do is maybe an ideation round maybe through a hackathon, maybe through crowdsourcing of ideas and see if you know people in your organization do come up with these ideas or not, right? So it's the whole innovation, even the program is like a startup. You need to experiment, take small steps, see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you because not everyone can um, run, like, you know, take the same... Um, approach that we took in in for some people what they could do is they could seek ideas from outside and then um, help accelerate them with the help of an external accelerator with the intention of investing in them or acquiring them Mm. so you need to see what works and take small steps and and i think the you need to be, if you make a big splash and fail, then, you know, that's a bad thing. So if you take small steps, uh, see what works, see what doesn't work, and then build the program uh, that way. Mm. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? Because you, like you said earlier, you have to prove the business case for this to work. And, you know, it's a, it's a different environment. If you're a startup on its own, you know, if you fail, you fail. You just walk away and start something new. But, you know, within an organization, you, you've built up a career. You may have been within the telco for 20 years, right? Mm. But there's always ways, isn't there? I mean, what you're talking yeah. about is there are people, you, you've got to, 
I find as well, you've got to identify who your fans are within the organization because you may find that guy from engineering, that guy from networks, that guy from handsets, they get it. And, you know, you could, you know, bring these people together as well. And, you know, uh, across yeah. departments, you know, it's important to seek out your like-minded tribe, if you like, within your organization who get that and will support it. Uh, exactly. And and what you need to do is you need to create one success story before you go big. Mm. All right. And you can handpick these people to and seed them and get them to do something innovative. And then, you know, OK, OK, you, you have some track record or, you know, you have something to show. And with that, you can inspire the rest of the organization. Right. That's your post-it uh, notes, isn't it? That's the one that everyone's yes. going to talk about and use in their presentations. Because you've got to, again, it's storytelling, isn't it? You talk about success story. People have to have mm-hmm. a story they can tell within the organization to create change. Yeah. And and I think the, the most powerful success story is something from within your organization. Yeah. Um, and so we had one success story, uh, which uh, helped us then kickstart the, the process. Because I think one thing you need to do is you need to make sure you have like, you know, in the VC world, you call deal flow, right? Mm-hmm. And for an innovation program, you need to look at the idea flow. So you need to always see where your ideas are going to come from at a regular interval. And if it's not inside, then you need to start looking outside. And if there are not enough ideas coming from inside, uh, then maybe the entrepreneurship program may not work. Um yeah. So, so, so the uh, the U.S. government did a program, right, where they got entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley to spend six months in the government. Hmm. So, so they couldn't find people inside, so they got people from outside. So, you know, it again, it depends on uh, what kind of people, uh, like um, uh, people you have within, and and if you don't find everything you have within, then you start looking outside, right? Yes, yeah, and that's great advice. People often don't think that's possible, but something as simple as that, bringing entrepreneurs inside, it's the start, isn't it? Mm. And I think you've just got to start somewhere and by slowly banging in a drum, you'll attract people from within, within your organization who will bring resources and support to get behind this project, right? Which could then yeah. become a, a business case and so on. Mm. Hey, well, whilst we're talking about innovation, I think just sort of rounding up, I mean, we can't talk about innovation without talking about China because you've mm-hmm. been in Shanghai for how many years now have you been in Shanghai, Kapil? I, I've been here 10 years. 10 years in Shanghai. And you, I think you're, you speak with authority because you, you've been in Shanghai 10 years, but you've also been in the US and you're from India originally. So you've got mm-hmm. a good worldview of what's going on. What's the scene like in China right now for innovation? Because for those outside, we may not appreciate just what's going on. Can you just give us a flavor for the kind of things happening maybe in Shanghai? I know you spent some time in Shenzhen as well. Mm. So what's the, give us the, a flavor for what's hot in innovation right now in China. Um, you know, definitely there are like a lot of accelerators popping up, right? So actually I'm talking to you right now from an accelerator. I'm at Exno right now. Uh, China accelerator is uh, a stone's throw away from here. Uh, there are lots of government accelerators, and and the hottest topics are artificial intelligence. Mm. Uh, blockchain is picking up. Uh, Internet of Things. Those are the hot topics, especially in 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 Shanghai. Uh, a lot of things is to do with vision processing. Uh, 
natural language processing, uh, you name it. In fact, I, I believe that China will uh, overtake U.S. in terms of AI within yeah. the next two to three years. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers of uh, publications made in yeah. scientific journals for AI from China compared to the U.S., I don't have the numbers to hand, but I think China now out outperforms in terms of publications and also patents as well, patent filings. Yes, and that's not important. Not you know the, what is important is the amount of data, mm. right? So the amount of data created in China is like fifty times more than that in the U.S. So more data you can play with, the better your algorithms become. Right. Yeah, there's a sort of an openness in China as well about giving up data, which we yep. don't sort of have in the West. I mean, we had this conversation with Ashley on Ashley Talks about retail and about how retailers in China are using the data, you know, big data, if you like, to, to create a better experience. Mm -hmm. I think they've got a real advantage there in China. I mean, it's exciting times. that You're in the heart of something really... I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. know if, if people from Silicon Valley really know what's going on in Asia right now. They know, they know a little bit, but they are in denial. Right. Right? Um, uh, you said two things. Yeah. Go on, you tell us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, take, take, it took us a long time, even within Intel, to make people understand how important China is. Right. So we so about two years ago, uh, not to maybe a year, year and a half ago, we started having this uh, uh, quarterly China advisory board back to the CEO and his uh, council. Hmm. And finally, after a year of doing that, we now have a permanent seat on, uh, in, on our CEO's council, right? So we were kind of now, it took us a long time, but now, you know, they get it that China is super important. You know, when you create new products, you need to keep China in mind. Hmm. It's not an afterthought. You need to have China in mind when you create new products. Hmm. It's a super critical uh, to do that. And that's one of the reasons I also believe um, a program like us works uh, is because we are kind of eyes and ears of what's happening in China. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's so important. It's so important. And what you're doing, I think, is you're doing a fabulous job there at Intel. And I think, you know, that, well, let's see. But I think, you know, what you're building is a model for innovation for all like or not just IT companies, but all companies in the future. And, you know, maybe people will look at what happened to ideas to reality and say, you know, these are like with 3M, right? Those will be the stories which will pull out and build innovation in the, the companies of the future. And, and actually it's, it's happening right now. Um, uh, the corporate innovation is picking up here, especially in Shanghai. Mm. Um, and government is encouraging big corporates uh, to join Accelerator. Uh, to uh, look at how other corporates innovate. Uh, and there's like a, a huge, like, you know, like a critical mass of corporates building up. We do something called uh, um, corporate innovation platform where uh, corporates meet on a monthly basis to exchange ideas on how we are innovating, passing on the learnings from mm. each other. And uh, startup accelerators are now creating corporate programs to help corporates be more innovative to do things the startup way. Mm. Yeah, good times. It's exciting. Kapukana, everybody from 
Intel China Director of Innovation, also the founder of the Ideas to Reality Business Accelerator. Kapil, you know, I'm sure people are inspired by listening to your story. They want to find out more about you and also people from Intel because, you know, Intel is a great big organization all over the world. People may be listening to this and thinking, wow, how do I get on board? I want to talk to this guy. How do people connect with you? Um, uh, WeChat, like, you know, if you're in China, you must have WeChat. Uh, my WeChat is master underscore K, M-A-S-T-E-R underscore K. Awesome. Uh, so that's where you could reach me. You could also reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Kapil Kane. You can um, uh, uh, just look up there. We'll put it and, in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Are you happy to talk to people outside of Intel in terms when it comes to innovation as well? Is that I, of- I love talking to people. I love finding out what people are up to. Uh, I can't, like you know regularly mentor startups here in the ecosystem, mm-hmm. uh, and I really love being uh, with the, the energetic people. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the you're the eyes and ears of the organization in that respect, right? You pick it up mm-hmm. on what's going on, the finger on the pulse. Master K, Kapokane, thank you so much for your time. It's really fascinating. You know, it's educational for, for all of us, I'm sure, listeners, learning about how innovation takes place, you know, nuts and bolts as well within these large organizations. Thank you for so much coming on. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I uh, really uh, enjoyed being on the podcast, and I love listening to your podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah no, let's get you back on as well. Let's keep, us, keep us updated in the future with, you know, the, the program. Tell us how it's sure. going, you know, six months down the road. Tell us a bit more about what you've learned at Ideas to Reality and what the latest is in terms, you know, China as well. Keep us up to date. You're the man who knows what's going on. So please come and share some of your insights in the future. Would love to. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.